Hey, Longhorn fans. The best way to unwind and chill out during these busy go, go, go days is to reach for the one beer that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. It's important to relax these days, so crack open a mountain cold Coors Light and chill out. Now that we're getting toward the critical part of the college football season, it's important to make sure your refrigerator is stocked with cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged Coors Light. In fact, the mountains on the can will turn blue when chilled to perfection. So when you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that's made to chill, Coors Light. You can even have Coors Light delivered by going to get.coorslight.com. As the games get hotter and hotter, reach for the one beer that's made to chill, Coors Light. Celebrate responsibly, Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, Texas fans. This is the Longhorn Confidential for Thursday, December 3rd. I'm Danny Davis of the Austin American Statesman. As always, I'm joined to talk recruiting by Mr. Mike Craven. Mike, say hello to the people. What's going on, everybody? Mike, you know, we have a couple options what we can do today. You know, we can uh, just talk shop. You know, we can um, throw out a bunch of stuff about Tom Herman and um, Urban Meyer, hope it sticks, and say we were right two months later. Like, that seems to be the thing to do in the media game these days or you know we can actually talk about what we know and that's recruiting um what would you like to do today well let's stick with uh, actual things mike last week uh del valley receiver Caleb burton pledged to attend ohio state uh for those of you who don't know del valley high school it's about 12 miles away from royal memorial stadium it's about 1200 miles away from the horseshoe was this decision as close as that geography suggests or was ohio state was that the school caleb was always gonna was always going to attend yeah, I think the thing to remember about Caleb, you know, his dad is the head coach at Dell Valley, not necessarily, you know, just Austin born and bred um, in that regard. I think it's one of those things where as soon as Quinn Ewers uh, went to Ohio State, that kind of killed most of the momentum heading Texas's way for Caleb. It seemed like those two were really close. Uh, they kind of want to be a pair, you know, wide receiver, quarterback, go in at the same time. So uh, I think Ohio State was his favorite the whole time when Quinn was committed to Texas, there was definitely some smoke going around of, okay, Caleb's probably going to follow Quinn uh, to Texas. But then as soon as uh, Ewers decommitted and then ended up Ohio State, it was pretty much writing on the wall there uh, for Caleb Burton from Del Valley. Now, as, as you mentioned, uh, Quinn Ewers, one-time UT commit. Now he's pledged to Ohio State. Caleb, he's the latest five-star recruit from this state to decide he wants to head up to Ohio and become a Buckeye. Um, Donovan Jackson is a five-star offensive lineman in the Houston area who's going to Columbus in a few months. The last couple of years, Garrett Wilson from Lake Travis, uh, Jackson Smith, and Jigba from Rockwall. Those are two receivers who are like, you know, I kind of want to get in on this Buckeye action. Um, so that's a lot of Ohio State talent, or a lot of Texas talent that's leaving the state for Ohio State. Um, why is Ohio State having so much success in the state of Texas, especially with these elite talents? Because it's one thing to come in and get – three-star kids who were like, okay, that's Ohio State. But it's another thing to come in, poach these kids from a um, state that has four or five uh, D major power five um, D1 schools and then the marquee schools like Texas and Texas A&M. Yeah, I think it's uh, success. It's branding. Uh, it's the city of Columbus. I think a lot of things go into play here. You know, one, you know, I think Ohio State's lost 12 games this decade. You know, like over the last 10 years, 12 games total. So, it, one of, you know, the main thing is just they're really good at football. They're constantly competing for Big Ten championships. They're constantly in the college football playoffs. 
they're constantly discussed as as one of the better teams. They're always on uh, national television and stuff. So I think that that plays into it. Two, they've been a fun team to watch. You know, SEC teams until the last couple of years were kind of known as the run into the ground, play defense, three yards in a cloud of dust. You saw those Alabama, LSU, nine to six games, you know, kind of dominate the landscape. Uh, so I think, you know, what it was is it was a place to go play exciting football. The state of Texas is a big seven-on-seven state. Players here uh, are used to playing in spread-type formations and scoring a lot of points and going up and down the field. Ohio State has, content, has consistently kind of played that often. Even when we go back to, like, Braxton Miller and those kind of things, like, that's the offense that Ohio State tends to play. So I think it's a branding thing. It's winning. Uh, and the city of Columbus is one of the – you know, we talk about Austin being a, a big city with a college. Columbia, Columbus is about the same size, and they have a college. So I, I think it's one of those where, you know, the city's pretty cool. It's not some small town, you know, backwoods kind of program. Uh, they win a lot of football games. They've had really good coaches, and you go to the NFL. Every time you turn on the NFL draft every year, Ohio State players are littered throughout that thing. So you add all those things together, and it makes Ohio State a really hard place to turn down when none of the in-state schools are good. Over this time, A&M, this is as good as they've been this year. You know, Texas hasn't been good in a little while. So when nobody inside your state is playing well and, and a, a, a college comes calling that you know you can go win and you know you can get drafted if you do your part and you know you're going to have an enjoyable time uh, in that city at that college, I, I think it's just one of those things where they just really have it going right now. Yeah, I was up in Columbus a few years ago. I guess it was 2016 for the NCAA Final Four for volleyball, and it was it was an enjoyable. Um, I think I was up there for four days, and I, I had some fun. It was a little cold. I don't know if these Texas boys know what they're getting into with that uh, with that weather, but Columbus is a nice town, and obviously Ohio State has a lot of a lot of success. Um, Tom Herman has also spent some time in Columbus. He was an offensive coordinator there for three seasons, won a national title in 2014. Ironically, how much credit does Tom get for helping establish that Ohio State? Uh, to the Texas pipeline. Yeah, I mean, I think he gets a, a decent amount of credit, as does Tim Beck. You know, those guys uh, had Texas ties, did a lot of real good recruiting down here and kind of built that pipeline. And so you will coincide having some Texas ties on the staff. That makes it a little bit easier for parents to, to feel good about sending their kids uh, there. And then another thing that we need to talk about, you know, two of the names you mentioned, Garrett Wilson and Donovan Jackson, you know, they're from Ohio. Like Garrett Wilson – uh, born in Ohio, moved down here at middle school. Uh, Donovan Jackson's parents are from Ohio. So one of the things we need to talk about, the state of Texas isn't, you know, uh, not everybody that is coming out of high school here is from here. Uh, we have a lot of move-ins and stuff because, you know, businesses are here and different the tech boom and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, I don't know if everybody on like the Fab 55, for example, are born and bred, you know, Texas, Texas forever kind of guys like a lot of fans think that they are. We have a lot of kids from California, a lot of kids from Louisiana, even some kids from Ohio and the Midwest and stuff. And so when you see a lot of these guys going out of state, I think some of it is because the world's not as big anymore with FaceTime and, and the different ways you can connect with your family. And two, if you're not born and bred here, I don't know if there's that loyalty to the state that a lot of onlookers want there to be. You know, in, your, in your opinion, why do you think it's, it's Ohio State? Why are we not hearing – Obviously, we hear some um, occasionally, you know, a kid like Andrew McCuba at LBJ going to Clemson. But why, why is it not Clemson coming in and getting all these five-star talents? Why is it not Notre Dame? Why is it not Georgia um, getting all these five-star talents from Texas? Why is it not a West Coast power like USC? 
is this just a coincidence and just kind of a, this is what this recruiting cycle um, over these past few years is, or are those schools all focusing on, you know, other areas of the country and uh, Ohio State's, Ohio State sees Texas as a place that can, you know, dominate them? Yeah, this is changing a little bit as we're seeing, you know, if you look at the recruiting sites this year, you look at the top 100 players in the state, a lot of them are going out of state, especially in the top 20. A lot of, a lot of guys are going out of state. But I think if you look back at like 2017, kind of right when Ohio State, 2015, 2016, 2017, when Ohio State, really one of the only schools from outside that's just doing a good job recruiting. I think some of it is just the, the guts. You know, I think they had the gumption to say, hey, look, nobody really goes into Texas and wins those recruits, but we're going to do it. You know, we're not going to be scared of the in-state programs. We're going to go down there and we're going to do this thing. And it happened to coincide uh, at a time when Texas was down. That's probably why they doubled in on their efforts there. They had a few guys on their staff that we just talked about with Texas ties, which helps. I don't know if uh, some of those other programs we talked about do. And so, uh, yeah, I think it was one of those things where it was they saw an opportunity and they went all in on it. You can't kind of half step your way around the state in terms of recruiting. You have to really go at it. And they do a good job of that. They put resources into it. They do it year after year. And then it's a copycat situation. As you see some guys go off to an out-of-state school and they kind of disappear, it makes you go, well, you know, you signed a couple Texas kids over the last three or four cycles, but they haven't really played that much. I don't know if I'll have a chance there. But at Ohio State, you know, even when Tom Herman was the offensive coordinator, their quarterback was from Texas. Uh, J.K. Dobbins from Texas. Um, so when you're watching uh, that team over those last five or ten years and you're a kid from the state of Texas, you see kids on the television screen from the state doing real well, you know, getting their own name out there and then getting drafted in the NFL. I think that is what uh, really solidifies the idea of, okay, maybe I can go out of state, see something new, experience some new stuff, win some football games, and I know I can follow – you know, some kind of uh, blueprint that other kids from my area have done. Now, do you think this uh, Texas to Ohio State pipeline is open for good, or could Texas and Texas A&M, if they, you know, get their acts together, Texas A&M obviously having a very good season this year, um, can they cut that off, or is Ohio State in the state of Texas for good? I think they can minimize it, but they're never going to cut it off. The way modern recruiting is with Twitter and FaceTime and Uh, the ability for people to move and just how many uh, people are here that weren't necessarily from here. The parents aren't from here. I I just don't think there's ever going to be a time where it used to be where guys inside of state just stick to that state. But if Texas starts playing in college football playoffs, if A&M starts playing in the college football playoffs on a regular, you know, a regular basis, they don't have to be Alabama, but if they start, you know, playing for those games or at least competing for that on a year in year out, year in year out basis, I think it really keeps uh, a lot of those in-state guys that we see going to Bama, we see going to Ohio State, we go, see going to Clemson, and a lot of LSU. Uh, I think you start closing those borders if you win and you win on a consistent basis because the fact is kids want to go play where they can win, not necessarily where they grew up watching football. And these guys are teenagers. During their adult or adult during their time to really remember watching football over the last 10 or so years, the names I just mentioned out of state are the schools that are playing for important stuff, not A&M, not Texas, not the other in-state schools. Until that changes to where that's what they're seeing on TV at 8, 9, 10 years old, it's just not going to change on the recruiting landscape. Going back to those 2022 commits, um, 
Quinn Ewers and Caleb Burton. Um, are you surprised that they made this commitment now? Um, because of the pandemic, recruiting has essentially been shut down or altered um, as far as what the athletes um, have access to. Um, obviously, technology helps them with Zoom and FaceTime and all that stuff, but it's not like they were able to visit Columbus. And it's kind of, you know, if they had wanted to sneak on the Texas campus, I'm sure that they could have found a way to do that to kind of get a look and feel for, you know, what this campus is. I'm sure they've been to you know, Royal Memorial Stadium before. Are you surprised that they made this commitment to Ohio State? Is it one of those things that they know enough and they still have a year or two to, you know, actually get those visits in and um, figure out if this is the, the right fit for them? Yeah, I mean, I, I, it, it always surprises me when guys commit early. I mean, I, I, this could be my adult way of thinking about it, but you just you're given that amount – you're given an amount of time for a reason. And so to not take uh, even remotely close to that time to national signing day or early signing period uh, seems misguided to me, unless you grew up just really loving a program and you know, for a fact, since you were six years old, if that's where you got a chance to go, that's where you were going. Uh, you should take your time with the process. And a lot of things can change over this next year. Who knows who's coaching where, who knows who's doing well, who knows if there's a young guy at your position who's going to take over that starting job and now it would be a log jam for you to get on the field over the next couple of years, but you thought you'd have an easier time of doing that when you committed. There's just so many things that can change. And now the good news for these guys is if that stuff changes, they're allowed to back off that uh, commitment and, and go on visits and do whatever they like to do. They're not married to it or anything of that nature this early. Uh, and I, you know, I think for them, especially for Quinn, uh, it was one of those things where he didn't want to answer all the questions. He didn't want uh, recruiting guys at his games every single Friday, asking him where he was going and calling his phone and coaches asking him all the time. And uh, I think he wanted it in his rearview mirror. That's why he committed to Texas when he kind of thought everything was smooth sailing there uh, for UT going into the year. And I think that's why he quickly turned around and found a new home after he de decommitted from Texas. I think he's one of those guys who – doesn't enjoy the recruiting hype. He doesn't enjoy that whole process. And so committing is the fastest way to quiet that down. Even if you do know it's not a hundred percent sure thing for the next 18 months, just getting it out there and saying you're committed kind of locks up your spot. It keeps the school that you like uh, interested in you. They're not going to go find somebody else to fill that spot. And it kind of gets guys like me off your back uh, for stories. Okay, let's shift our focus to some of the talent that Texas has signed um, over these last last few years. Um, over the weekend on Sunday, Samuel Cosme, the offensive lineman, left tackle, three-year starter for Texas. He um, opted out of Texas's final two regular season games, uh, presumably a bowl game if Texas reaches one of those, to start preparing for the NFL draft. The next day, um, Caden Stearns, the fine safety, did the exact same thing. Um, first, Mike, what was your overall opinion on this? Because obviously some – Texas fans for, you know, reasons that are probably, you know, easy, you can easily guess, uh, we're upset, but, um, it seems like the players on the team are, um, you know, all right with it. They'd like to have those guys on the team. But they understand that why these business decisions were made, um, makes it a little weird that both those guys were captains and they're skipping out. But, um, overall, what was your kind of opinion on these opt-outs and do you see this as kind of a, you know, trend, uh, it's been a trend the last couple of years, because this is going to be something we see going forward. Yeah, I mean, head coaches leave when they get hired for a new job before bowl games. Um, this year is really weird. Most most games would be kind of done uh, by this time. You know, it, it's going to be 
a little bit later of a, of a year than normal. I'm sure with COVID protocols and that kind of stuff, it's a chance to kind of get out from under that. You don't have to be uh, as worrisome uh, about the, that, those restrictions. If you're not, you know, part of the football team, you can go work out with your own private stuff. You can get healthy if you're banged up. I think there's a lot of things out there that could be the reason, and it could be all of those things combined. So um, I'm, I'm a full grown adult, so I'm, I'm never going to judge another person for what they think is, is best for them. That's, that's none of my business. I, I wouldn't want them to do that to me. I, I don't do that to them. So uh, if this is what they think is the best course uh, for them to, to go achieve a lifelong dream and that's play NFL football and get drafted and make money and, and improve their family's lives. I mean, who am I uh, to sit here and judge that, especially when we're talking about games against Kansas state and Kansas that are going to do nothing for them uh, in that turn, you know, in that, in that realm. And it's not going to do anything for Texas. Uh, they can't get to a big 12 championship or anything like that. So uh, I just don't see what the, you know, if you're Caden Stearns or you're, I mean, if you're Samuel Cosme, even you go out there against Kansas state, you tear your ACL in a game that doesn't mean anything for Texas. and doesn't mean anything for you. All of these fans talking about on Twitter, they're not going to help cover those expenses. They're not, you know, so uh, you have to do what is best for you and your family. And, and, and if that makes uh, a couple of people with t-shirts mad, I mean, that's just what that, that is. I would like to see the Venn diagram of the fans who are upset with um, Sam Cosme and Caden Stearns and the, the, the fans who are okay with these, uh, the decisions that some of these high school athletes are going to be making in the next couple of months when their seasons got delayed and they have to decide whether or not to enroll early or, you know, in some cases, maybe leave their team on a playoff run to get to campus on time. I'm sure if some of these uh, high school athletes end up at Texas a little early and have to leave their high school teams behind, the same fans would be like, oh, you know, that's a – that's a surprise. They got to look out for them. Got to look out for their, their next stop. I'm sure maybe a little bit of hypocrisy with those situations. Um, no. Sam Cosme, he was a three-star commit in that uh, 2017 transition class with Tom Herman. So, you know, he's maybe a little surprising. He's developed into a first-round talent. He certainly has done the work in his four years on campus. Um, how do you think he developed into a first-round possibility from, you know, that three-star, you know, recruit that was originally going to go to Houston and, you know, do you even play his first year on campus? Yeah, I mean, I, I, offensive line is just a really hard position to to grade. So labeling him a three star, probably not fair to him. It probably should have been a four star or something. You know, I think that pro, I think his development probably has more to do with the process of uh, figuring out who the best offensive linemen are each year than it does about. Uh, anything he's done since on campus. I mean, clearly he's put in a lot of work. He's become a lot stronger, but he was always a really good athlete. He just did not have the big offers that then get you the attention that then uh, turn into to four stars or higher. So some of that's just, you know, slipping through recruiting cracks. And the, the truth is, is your offer list matters a lot when figuring out if you're a three or four star at Rivals in 24-7. If you have offers from Alabama, Texas, Ohio State, LSU, you're going to be a four-star no matter what the tape says. If you don't have any offers from Power 5 programs, you're going to be a three-star no matter what the tape says. And people can get upset with that comment if they want to, but it's the absolute truth. And so I think it's just one of those things where he got the right opportunity. Texas hired a new coach. 
that exact year that he was open in the cycle and it happened to be the coach he was committed to. So he got to go to a power program and, and do these things at a, at a larger level than he may have the last couple of years of Houston. You get seen by, you know, being the left tackle uh, for Sam Ellinger at a, at a Texas team that's watched by everybody. And over the years, he's just, he's been a really good player and he has been since he was a red shirt freshman. So it, it leads me to believe that he was always pretty talented and we just missed on him rather than, he uh, all of a sudden found the secret sauce once he got to UT. On the other hand, uh, Caden Stearns was probably one of Tom Herman's, he was probably his first big signee and probably one of his biggest um, as far as, you know, talent evaluation goes over Tom Herman's four years here um, at Texas um, thus far. However, he's going to leave Austin with just one all-conference selection. I'm assuming he's not going to make the team. This year, he ranks second on the team in tackles or tied for second on the team in tackles with an interception. Those numbers will obviously go down by the end of the season. Um, why have Texas's five-star signings under Tom Herman, Caden, B.J. Foster, Brew McCoy, if you want to count him, Jordan Whittington, and even Bajan Robinson this year kind of underwhelmed? Um, you know, B.J. Foster has not become that, you know, consistent starter. A lot of people thought he was the Brew McCoy mess that was a whole different thing Jordan's been hurt and maybe it's a little too early to judge on Bajan Bajan but why have they kind of underwhelmed is it coaching were the evaluations wrong do the players themselves deserve some blame is it too early to judge why why have these five-star talents not become these five-star stars that a lot of people expect them to become at Texas yeah I mean I think it's one of those things we need to do individually here you know Caden Stearns awesome freshman year I think he definitely lived up to the hype right away Uh, You look at a sophomore year, he was injured. Uh, Now this year, like you said, I mean, people saying he's underwhelming, but he, you know, second best defensive player on the team, probably if if you got the real grades from, from Chris Ash behind Osai. Um, So, you know, I, I don't know if it's the injuries are still nagging. If there's new injuries we don't know about, it could be just scheme. You know, maybe this Chris Ash scheme just simply is not the best for Caden Stearns. It, and that, that happens, you know, that, that's, a, that's a thing that happens. And so it could just be how he's utilized this year, didn't allow him to make some plays and that kind of stuff. So I think with Caden, he's going to be a, an NFL first round or second round draft pick. I, I think that's a, a fine uh, outcome for a five-star guy. You look at B.J. Foster, he was also really good as a true freshman. And then injuries happened. You know, I mean, last year there was a time where he couldn't even lift his arm above his head. So uh, his shoulder injury has been really uh, detrimental to him. Um, and so he just has been somebody who's, who's underachieved. And the other thing with BJ, he was a running back mostly in high school. We all assumed that that stuff would just translate over to safety. Uh, but that's not – it's not Madden. You know, you can't just plug in a guy and it transfers over. I think some of his problems at safety have just been – a lack of awareness and just not really understanding the position as much. And that's probably from just not playing it at a full-time basis until you're 18 years old. Uh, Brew McCoy, I don't know if he counts. Jordan Whittington, that stuff's been injuries. I think he's the best slot receiver on the team when he's healthy. Uh, And then Bajon Robertson, he's only a true freshman. He's running behind an offensive line that really doesn't have a right guard or a right tackle. So uh, I think a lot of those individually, if you look at, you can kind of understand where it came from or why it's happening. Uh, but it's definitely an indictment. I mean, I was watching the A&M LSU game the other day, and the thing that stood out to me is Jimbo Fisher's big-time stars, DeMarvin Leal, uh, Kenyon Green. Those guys are playing and playing pretty well. You turn it over to Texas, and uh, Caden Stearns, B.J. Foss, some of those guys we just mentioned, even Jordan Whittington, uh, those guys aren't playing as well or as much 
um, as they probably thought that they would when they signed. So you need, not only do you need the Samuel Cosmes, you know, you need those three stars that kind of slipped through the cracks to become dominant players, but you need those five stars to hit on a really big basis in Texas, just either by injury or scheme or lack of development, whatever we want to call it. They just simply hasn't. And it's one of the reasons that Texas is in the position it is in year four under Tom Herman. In your dotted line column on Tuesday, you predicted that UT would have four players taken in this year's upcoming draft. Um, Sam Cosme, Caden Stearns, obviously, Sam Ellinger, and then Joseph Asai, Joseph assuming he departs Texas with a year left of eligibility. Um, is there anyone else on the radar as far as you, you, you can see possibly getting drafted? Uh, Taquan Graham. You know, I, I mean, I know he hasn't had the, you know, an overly productive career at Texas, but we've seen how good Charles Aminahue has been in the league, and I think they're pretty similar body build types. He can be an outside a guy in a 3-4, he can be an inside guy in a 4-3, as we've seen this year. Um, so I think he may be a late-round late, da- late kind of option, especially if he tests really well. And then if we're looking at guys who could possibly leave, I mean, I think Deshaun Jameson is going to get drafted eventually. I think he needs another year of college to really up that stock. But if he left this year, I wouldn't be surprised if he was a fifth or sixth-round draft pick. I mean, corners with that kind of athleticism, who can also return kicks and punts, uh, are wanted in the NFL. So I think he could be a guy where if the wheels fall off coaching-wise and he just wants to kind of exit and get out of this thing, I think he could get drafted in the NFL if he wanted to. Before we get out of here, let's make our uh, weekly stop by Craven's Corner, talk a little gambling. Uh, Texas, Kansas State, um, Texas is on the road, but they are still nine-point favorites, which, once again, they're on the road, and once again, Texas doesn't play uh, nine-point games. Um, This line (laughs) startled me. Uh, Did it startle you? And are you taking this or are you staying as far away from this as you possibly can? Yeah. I mean, with my own money, I'm probably staying away from it as far as I can. I mean, I try to include the Texas game in the Cravens corner every week. Um, you know, I, I'm a, I'm, I'm kind of a contrarian. I know this isn't breaking news to you as somebody who knows me, but I enjoy kind of zagging when everybody's zigging and, uh, Kansas state's really bad. I mean, they are, they are really bad. Um, they're just not good over, since Skylar Thompson has been hurt. I kind of think this Texas team may play well. You know, everything is pointing to not playing well. Some questions around the coaches, a couple of big-time starters, uh, you know, opting out. I think it could be the motivation this Texas team needs. You know, these players, any failures of Tom Herman is also a failure on these players. So there's pride and ego that goes into this. They like Tom Herman. I think they show up. They play really well on the road. It's kind of an us versus them type of thing. This is when Tom Herbin kind of does his best work, in my opinion. I think it'll be like one of the bowl games where everybody's expecting Texas to be a little flat and they come out and play some of their most inspired football of the year. Uh, I, I mean, that's kind of what I, I see happening here on this one. Um, any other NFL or NCAA bets that you're, that you're looking forward to? Anything that's kind of catching your eye? Yeah, A&M minus six uh, over Auburn. I enjoy I mean, if A&M has any shot at the college football playoff, they're going to need to win out. They need Ohio State to either stumble or just COVID keep them from finishing their year. And they also need to win impressively. They did not do that against LSU. I'd imagine they come out and play really well against Auburn. Uh, and then at the NFL level, I like Bills minus three over the, over the 49ers. They're playing in Arizona. San Francisco is still getting those points for some reason, even though, I mean, because they're technically a home team, but it's not really at home. I think this is mostly a pick em. Uh Go ahead and take Buffalo to win by more than a field goal over uh, the 49ers.
Uh, before, before we get out of here, any thoughts on Texas high school football kind of getting into playoff season? Uh, big schools, I guess, are about a week, week out. The smaller schools are well underway, including Jonathan Brooks, the Texas commit from Hallettsville, who had kind of a performance in the third round, 501 yards, nine touchdowns. Uh, nice, nice day for any running back. Um, uh, any thoughts on what's going on with the, with the postseason push for these Texas recruits? Yeah, I mean, I really wish Texas fans could go check out Jonathan Brooks. You know, with this year, you can't just, like, show up to a high school stadium and watch him play, but he's going to be playing in Bastrop this week for the regional championship game. It'd be it'd be a fun one to send some guys out to if they wanted to just go, you know, because I always like going to watch the next group um, out there. So uh, it would have been a local game that they could have people could have gone and, and saw him at. He has 52 rushing touchdowns this year. I mean, that's – that's absurd. Uh, I know it's, I mean, it's 3A football, but still, that, that's freaky. Um, so, I think he, you know, that's, that's really impressive. He's the only Texas player right now in the playoffs. J.D. Coffey's out. Um, and then, like you said, 5A, 6A start. Not this week, but next week. Uh, and then, you know, around our neck of the woods, you know, Coach Walker passing at Liberty Hill. Uh, my little brother played at Liberty Hill. My college roommate, best friend, played at Liberty Hill. Um, so I've known Coach Walker for most of my life since I was about 15 years old and I was at Cedar Park thinking about going to Liberty Hill. And, uh, you know, he really brought in the slot T offense. I think most would credit him with a lot of the success Liberty Hill had even when he wasn't the head coach. He was just kind of that guy uh, that kind of ran the offense that's, you know, prolific that everybody loves around here. So a big loss. He was only 52 years old, uh, a tough man, a great man, one that never really complained too much. and. Uh, you know, as a guy who really hates coaching cliches, I really liked Coach Walker because he hated them too. And so that's kind of where him and I's uh, relationship was bonded around. Yeah, very sad story in Liberty Hill. And I'm sure a lot of people will be pulling for the Panthers when they um, do get into the postseason and start uh, start their annual annual playoff run. But we're going to wrap it up here. Um, throughout the week, you have your line column. On Monday, you had Charles Wright, speaking of a, a local um, playoff qualifier at Austin High. Um, you chatted with him. Um, you talked, like we said earlier, you had your UT NFL prospects in your Tuesday down the line column. Um, Wednesday, today, they were recording. Uh, you had Jonathan Brooks' uh, recap of his um, great, great playoff performance. Uh, what else are you working on and where are you going this weekend? Yeah, so Thursday, kind of going to do a reset on all the commits inside the state and kind of where they are in their season, if they're going to make the playoffs, kind of how their year is going. A couple of guys have been hurt. So just kind of, you know, do, do a recalibration of, of where everybody stands inside the state there with playoffs coming for the big schools. Uh, and then Friday, DeSoto and recent Texas commit Byron Murphy, uh, defensive tackle, and then also a, a Texas target, Shamar Turner, at defensive end, uh, is playing at Waco against uh, an old Longhorn, Kwame Cavill, as the head coach there. Talked to Kwame yesterday. Uh, got all set um, for uh, the game in Waco. Don't have to drive all the way to South Dallas to see these guys, so that'll be good. So that's, uh, that's where I'm heading Friday night. Going to try to stay warm uh, with my thin Texas blood. Uh, when it gets under 60 – so I've got a question for you. Uh, listeners out there that may not know, Danny uh, from Montana, uh, mountain man, uh, much tougher than I am. When do you start getting cold? Has it worn off? Are you Texas now? Like, do you still have kind of the winter coat? Or are you like me to where anytime it gets under 60, it's time to turn on the heater? I, I don't – I mean, I I have a winter coat, but it has to be very, very cold for me to bring it out still. Like, I can get by most of the time with a sweatshirt. Um, mm. But, like, the days of me wearing shorts when it dips under 50 are long gone. 
And ah, I, okay. I also know that if I went home for um, Christmas or something like that, I'd be totally out of my element and probably be very, very miserable within, you know, two minutes of getting off the plane, you know, when it's, you know, 10 below and there's snow all over the place. But I can handle, for the most part, what a Texas winter is with just a sweatshirt and some jeans, maybe a hat um, if, if needed. But um, I'm definitely not what I used to be, but I'm still – my my blood is thick enough where I can um, look down on all you Texans and your uh, you you guys complaining about weather when it gets uh, gets under sixty. Yeah, I just I can't handle it. I this summer I fell in love with New England, as you know, um, and then the winter came here and it's reminded me why I can't move there. So that's a good uh, good note to get out. We'll get out here on a weather report, but uh, don't forget yep. to shoot us a review at the Apple Store and the Google Podcast app. Be sure to appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in each week. Me and Mike will be back next Thursday to talk more recruiting, and we'll see you guys down the road. Peace.